Welcome, welcome back to another episode of the Peaceful Body Podcast. My name is Inez Bai. I am your host as well as life and mindset coach. So welcome. This week is a huge week for me. I am running the Find Your People two-day masterclass. So I'm so excited for all of you who have already decided to join and invest in yourselves and improve in your relationship. So if you want to join me, the link will be left in the show notes. Or if you have any questions about it, please just leave me a DM on Instagram, which is also linked on the show notes. Or you can just search my name, Inez Bai. It's I-N-E-Z-B-Y-E, all one word on Instagram and just send me a message, but it's going to be a two-day masterclass filled with how to stop doubting yourself, how to know that you're more than good enough, how to find your worth and overall improving all of your relationships and feeling really surrounded by the right kind of people who really get you. So that is happening this week, which I am very, very keen for. I've already got an amazing group of people who are joining me for that. And I would love, love, love for you to be there. On top of that, I'm also moving, as I expressed a couple of weeks ago, I'm moving to my new beachside apartment. Wow, I am so excited, but I'm also a little bit nervous. I wrote an Instagram uh, caption yesterday where I said multiple truths can be true at the same time. And I speak about this often on the podcast about how, you know, you can be grateful for something and still want more, or you can be sad about something and also be happy about it, which is definitely what I am kind of feeling more than I anticipated in terms of moving. I think I was really excited. You know, I find it quite fun to go to house inspections and visualize my life in new places and all of that kind of jazz. But then now that it's a reality and it's actually happening, I'm pretty sad to be leaving this house that I have lived in. This house is the longest place that I've lived in because I've always kind of moving around. I love living in share houses. I've lived by myself. I've lived in apartments. I've lived in houses. I'm living in a house right now. I'm moving back into an apartment, but in a totally different area. So, you know, there's been lots of movement in my life and that's really suited me. I've really enjoyed moving around a lot. Um, But over the past year and a half, I feel like I've gone through such a massive transformational journey within myself. I have found so many aspects of myself and I've like just become more myself than ever before. You know, like I've developed in so many areas of my life. I feel like my business is really, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like it's really kind of matured to a point where I know what I'm doing. I'm really clear with my vision. It's grown. I've had my biggest months ever. I've learned how to call in new people. I've started new relationships. I've come out with my sexuality. Like there's just been so many parts of my personality that have grown and evolved and so much that I've let go of in this house where I'm existing right now. And so it's sad to be leaving it and it's sad to be leaving something Not because I want to stay here or because I'm regretting my decision, but I'm sad because I'm just letting go of a part of me that was really close to home. You know, it was my home. It was letting go of this routine that I've created here and letting go of my version of who I was when I was here as well. Like letting go, like I'll still have all of the memories and that's something that I always remind to my clients, you know, when we might be breaking up with someone, we can feel really sad. But it's like you always have those memories and no matter how you move forwards and what new house you have or what new partner you have, you're still going to have those memories. But it's all right to mourn the loss of what you had and what was your reality and what kept you feeling safe for so long while still being excited and backing yourself in your new area and your new change. 
moving into this new place, like there are so many things about it that just didn't make sense. But I decided to go through with it anyway, because I listened to my intuition and I'll explain a little bit more about what doesn't actually make sense once I've like settled in there and everything is kind of, you know, worked out. Well, I know it's already going to work out, obviously, like I'm not moving into some sort of risky house or anything like it, but it's just what I had envisioned in my head is very different to what I'm actually moving into. And it feels so expansive and exciting and lighting myself up in my gut, right? Which is what we want to do. But my brain is kind of like, have you made the right decision? And what if this happens? And should you be doing this? And X, Y, Z, whatever it might be. And this is like such a clear classic example of even if something is intuitive and even if you know it's going to be right for you, your anxiety and your fear and your ego and your mind, ETC, can still try to convince you to be more logical or to be more rational. And you know what? I'm letting go of that. If I have learned anything over the past year and a half of living here, if the the more I follow things that are logical, the more I'm likely to be disappointed and it's so predictable as well. And that's so boring, right? I want to be living a life that feels fulfilling and exciting and I want to be blown away by what I can create. And so in order to be blown away by things and be like surprised at what can actually happen, I need to take leaps of faith. I need to go outside of my comfort zone and I need to listen to my intuition and trust that the pathway is going to unfold in front of me. And that leaves so much space for exciting different spontaneous opportunities to come to me so I'll be keeping you all updated with how that move is going definitely follow me on Instagram because I'm going to probably do a little house tour that no one asked for but I'm going to be sharing it actually one person has asked for it so there we go but that is my little update for this week I wanted to talk more uh, on this particular podcast episode about attachment styles, specifically the anxious attachment style. Over the past probably a year and a half, actually, since I've been here in this house, yet another journey, healing, transformational journey that I've been on. I remember last year at the start of the year, I discovered the attachment theory for the first time and I did the online quiz and you can just search. um, I did the one from the book. So the book is called Attached and I just searched Attached the book quiz and you can do your uh, attachment style there. And if you want to message me on Instagram about what attachment style you have, then you absolutely can do that because I geek out about this stuff. I am obsessed. Learning about my attachment style has dramatically improved my life and my relationships and my ability to communicate. But anyway, I read through it and it it enlightened me that I am anxiously attached. So basically this is shaped by the way that we are brought up and how our parents may have shown us love as we were being, you know, as we were growing up. And it's not to say that we have to blame them or that they did something wrong or that they're bad people at all. It was just them doing the best that they could at the time with the tools and the resources that they had. So it's less about blaming your parents and more about thinking, okay, here are tools at my disposal and what can I do with this information and knowledge and tools to make my experience of this life better? Because at a point we're adults and we need to take responsibility for the way that we interact with the world and the relationships that we have rather than thinking, oh, well, my parents didn't give me love. So therefore no one's going to love me or, you know, my parents weren't supportive. So therefore I'm never going to get anywhere in life or whatever it might be. Like we need to take radical responsibility and think, okay, well, how can I actually change that then? How can I get out of this cycle and step into something that really does serve me? So basically an anxious attachment style is wanting to be really, really close to people and 
feeling really like nervous if you don't hear from that person for a long time, thinking that they automatically hate you. We often take on a lot of responsibility in the relationship, thinking that we're doing something wrong or we've said the wrong thing. Or, you know, if we detect a slight shift in the relationship, we jump to the worst conclusions really quickly. If we feel threatened in relationships as well, we can really quickly go to defensive mode because we think everything's our fault. And then we don't want to be vulnerable because then we feel like, you know, someone might be able to take advantage of that. So when I realized this and I was researching through it, I was like, how have I been living my life unknowingly so anxious and intense in relationships? Like with in when there was actually another way. And this is kind of what I was talking about last week with subconscious beliefs. Like I was just operating in the way that I knew and I didn't even think it wasn't even in my aura or my sphere of like living or consciousness that there was another way to be in relationships. I just thought that that's how people acted and the right partner or the right friend or the right person would make me feel secure. But it's actually ourselves that can make us feel secure. And yes, having people around you that are secure and stable and trustworthy is obviously going to be really helpful. But if we're waiting for people to give that to us, we're outsourcing things that we can do for ourselves, right? And you can make yourself more secure by learning these five steps that I'm going to take you through. So I actually posted an Instagram post about how I went from being anxiously attached to secure attached. I did the test like a couple of months ago and it came up as secure. And obviously like this isn't a diagnosis either, right? People can do these personality tests or attachment quizzes or you know, whatever it might be and be like, oh, well, that must mean I am an anxiously attached person. And it's like, no, I just can understand myself through this tool and through this lens of the attachment theory, right? It's not a official diagnosis. Therefore, it's not a life sentence that you're boxed into forever. It's just a really, and that's, that goes for so many things like human design and astrology and oh, like just whatever tool that you can kind of think of in like the, um, Myers-Briggs personality test. I'm probably saying that wrong. I haven't done that one in ages. Is that the 16 personality test? Anyway, whatever. Just using it as a tool and always knowing at the end of the day, you know yourself best. That's not to say that you should try to just figure everything out on your own. That's not at all what I'm saying. But if you read something and it really doesn't feel right in your gut and you're like, actually, I don't resonate with that. It's okay to leave it. It's okay to cherry pick bits of information. That's what I always say to my clients whenever they're doing my programs or courses or coaching even. I'm like, if something doesn't resonate with you, that's totally fine. I'm not going to be upset or personally offended. That's not my job as a coach. My job as a coach is to guide you to different ways, to open your perspective, to actually get you back in touch with your intuition. And I know because I've been a client to so many different coaches as well, what it can feel like when a coach is like, no, this is the way that you have to do things. And when things don't work out in that way, because you kind of know somewhere deep down in your gut that it's not right, but you follow it because you respect that coach and they may be more successful or, you know, you think that they have all of the experience. So therefore you have to listen to everything that they say it can be so easy to blame yourself or think that there's something wrong with you because they're like, well, this is the only way to do it. Something I'm so, so passionate about that I keep coming back to in my own coaching is that there are so there, what's the saying? There are a million different ways to skin a cat or there's just so many ways to do things. And my specialty is helping you to figure out things outside of the box to find unique solutions that you felt like couldn't be solved. Like, and in such a more simpler way, like everything can be so much simpler, especially with the right 
guidance and the right experience and the right tools and everything like that. So let's go through the anxious attachment style and how you can move from that into uh, more of a secure attachment and therefore feel more fulfilled and appreciated in your relationships, have better relationships and feel more communicated and feel like you are communicating more clearly. The first tip that I have is learning what your needs are and how to communicate them. So as I said before, being someone that might have a tendency towards being more anxiously attached, you want to feel really close to people. You want them to be openly communicating to you. You'll want to maybe get reassurance from them. You might crave validation. And this brings up this whole conversation, which someone actually kind of argued on my Instagram post. I got a little bit of hate. Can you believe it? But you know what? If someone's um, pushing up against your point, and I always welcome that. I welcome all different perspectives. It means that you're making an impact and I'm very much here for it. But essentially this person was saying on my Instagram post that anytime we want external validation or reassurance, it's an opportunity for us to actually look at ourselves and think, okay, how can I give that to myself? And of course we need to learn like a big part of being securely attached is being able to meet your own needs and recognizing where you're wanting to outsource all of your love, like where you think you can only feel better by getting reassurance from one person or from someone outside of yourself. You can absolutely validate yourself whilst also wanting validation and needing reassurance and craving attention. You can be independent and you can be a capable functioning human being whilst knowing it's also okay to reach out for support or to crave attention. Like that is so freaking normal and attention feels good. It feels good. Like we need to stop being so embarrassed about wanting attention or having the limelight on us. I like used, I love it now. I give me attention, give me praise, talk to me, ask me questions, feel interested in me. It makes me feel really good about myself. And that's why I also want to offer it to other people. And I want other people to have the limelight. I want other people to, you know, feel like I'm really interested in them because I am. I'm so curious about everyone. And it's only because I receive that attention and I receive that support that I'm then able to give it to other people as well. And that's a normal part of our human condition. But knowing what your needs are, and I'm doing needs in like little air bunnies, whatever it might be. It's less of like an actual need where like, you know, you're going to die if you don't get them. Like, it's more like if you think about, okay, so obviously if you don't eat any food, you're going to starve to death, right? But you can also enjoy the food that you eat and have um, preferences towards the food that you eat. So it's more fulfilling and it might fit whatever ethical things that you have and whatever, right? So your needs in a relationship might be, I like knowing when that person arrives to work. So can they text me when they get there or whatever? Or it might be, you know, okay, I'm feeling anxious at the moment. So therefore I know that my needs are, hey, sometimes when I get anxious, I will just need some extra words of affirmation from you or your needs might be, I really would love to have a date night together or it might be, I love to know your whereabouts. And so can you text me during the day or, you know, you might want that person to call you at lunchtime or you might want to watch TV without your phones at nighttime so that you're really present with one another. And we don't like really recognize these things as needs because we are often assuming the way that we perceive the world is the way that everyone perceives the world. And we think, okay, well, if this is what I think is going to make a good relationship, then why can't that other person see that? But we're then assuming these people are reading our minds, which can be very hard to admit sometimes. But 
whatever you're thinking, don't assume that your partner is ever able to read your mind and it is okay to ask for it and ask for it multiple times and keep reminding them because that person is their own person with their own thoughts, their own issues, their own challenges, their own emotions, everything like that. And in order to make a relationship work well, you need to constantly be teaching each other about each other and what you actually like and what your needs are and all of those kinds of things. So it's okay to ask for your needs multiple times. And it's also about learning how to communicate them in just a really relaxed way of just like, hey, I would love it if you texted me a little bit more often during the day. Or, you know, you could be even more specific of like, I I would love it if you texted me or called me at lunchtime so that we can chat because it makes me feel that like you're thinking about me or whatever it might mean. Like just learning how to communicate it clearly. You don't need to justify it. um, And it can be in a really calm, chill way as well. The next tip that I have is understanding that your desire to be close to people isn't a bad thing. Sometimes we can feel like, oh, I'm too much or I'm asking for too much or, you know, I need reassurance too much or whatever it might be. It all boils down to this feeling of being too much. But as a person that leans towards being more anxiously attached, when your needs are being met and when you feel reassured and when you feel close to that person, you will be an incredibly loyal, supportive, loving partner. And it's just about harnessing your strengths and playing towards them so being like to your partner this is how you can make me feel secure in the relationship and knowing that it's not a bad thing to crave being so close to someone whilst also recognizing that we need to learn how to meet our own needs as well so when we're feeling disappointed a really good question to ask ourselves is what need is not being met in this moment can I meet it myself and if not how can I go to someone who I know will be able to meet these needs if you ask someone to give you more reassurance and they're just like, no, I don't want to do that. Maybe that person isn't really your person, right? And I learned this a couple of years ago. I remember my therapist saying to me, at the time, the person I was dating was not so communicative with me. And I just thought that maybe I was asking for too much or maybe I needed too much communication. And I remember my therapist saying to me, like, you will meet someone someday that will be so happy to communicate and see you more often than like just a couple of times a week. And lucky I had that guidance at the time because it would have been so easy for me to convince myself, oh, what I want is too much. Like I should just mold myself into their wants and desires so that I can be a better partner for them. But what about my needs? They're as valid as the other person. So knowing that it's okay to want to spend lots of time with someone and to get reassurance from someone whilst also making sure that you're able to meet your own needs and that you have your own life outside of that person. And so that you know, regardless of what happens you have multiple people that you can be close to as well multiple people that you can talk to and what I was talking about before by when you want reassurance from someone making sure that it's from someone you know that can give it to you it's like this analogy I used the other day with my clients which is like if you go to get reassurance from someone that has shown time and time again that they can't give it to you like say For example, you um, go like you might go talk to your brother and you're like annoyed for some reason that he can't give you reassurance. Like whenever you call him, he's just like, oh, no, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And you don't feel any better after the conversation. If you keep going back to that person and you keep them in your life because they're like family, which doesn't necessarily mean that you need to keep people in your life. But you're like, no, obviously, I want to have my brother in my life. But, you know, when I've come to him about emotional chats before, he hasn't been able to actually make me feel better. Stop going back to that person 
person and think about who do I know in my life that can definitely give me the reassurance and the pep talk and the loving that I need and go to that person instead because otherwise you're going to a hardware store and trying to buy fruit, right? It's You're not going to the right shop for the right thing. You're not going to the right person who you know can give you what you need. With anxiously attached people like myself, and sometimes this still flares up with me, so I'm being very honest and transparent here. When I would feel threatened, like say, for example, I felt like that person didn't want to see me or they took too long to respond to my text messages or, you know, I didn't hear from them in a long time or whatever. I would get very quickly defensive. I would jump to negative conclusions and I would feel threatened. And we would kind of get our, what happens then is like your attachment system becomes activated, which means that you're on high alert. And when an anxious person gets um, activated, they can go into this like defensive mode and you can get quite a annoyed at the people around you you kind of go into like really like oh like why did you do this and you shouldn't have done that and kind of going very like on the attack right and that gives us a sense of power and we feel like we're above that person but really it's just pointing blame at one person and it's not giving that person an opportunity to meet your needs because you're not clearly communicating why you're actually upset if we go straight into the attack and like you should have done this better and why didn't you do this we're not actually saying to this person hey when you took a long time to respond to my text message it made me feel like you didn't want to talk to me is that true you know maybe I'm being silly but can you just reassure me right that's us being vulnerable so it's learning that when you feel that sense of like defensiveness rise up and for me it was a very visceral feeling of like bubbling up from my chest into my head and I was everything was kind of felt like hot in my head I'd be like oh this is so annoying and I felt like I couldn't let it go and like it, nothing that that person could say would make me feel better rah, rah, rah. I really needed to think okay well what's underneath this anger what emotional need is underneath this anger because very rarely is it that we're just angry and we need someone to like extinguish our anger it's actually giving us an opportunity to kind of simmer down beneath that anger and think what do I actually need to hear in this moment and how can I share it really vulnerably with this person and be vulnerable be vulnerable if they cannot meet your needs it is okay. At least then they can tell you and then at least you know, and then you can either meet that need yourself or you can find someone else that will be able to meet that need. And there will always be someone, which is coming back to this whole idea of abundance, right? Getting angry at someone and getting defensive really quickly comes from a place of fear. That is the way that it is. Coming from a place of love is being vulnerable and sharing with them how you're actually feeling to give them a chance to be able to actually meet them rather than you expecting them to meet. Read your mind. Number four is such an important one. And it's so, I mean, all of these are relative to all relationships in our life. And you might be thinking like, you know, I have an anxious attachment style with some people, some people I might be more avoidant, which is one of the other attachment styles or some relationships in your life, you might be secure. But think about how often you bump into someone on the street. And this used to happen to me a lot when my anxious attachment style was just like left running wild and I was not conscious of it. You bump into someone at the street, they'd kind of catch you off guard. You'd have a bit of a weird conversation. You'd be trying to say the right thing. And in doing so and thinking about that, you'd say the wrong thing and you feel a bit silly. And then you think about it. Then, you know, the next couple of nights you can't sleep. You're woken up in the middle of the night and you're wondering about a situation that you know you can't change and you know is silly, but you can't stop thinking about it anyway. Like... Whew, exhausting, right? So this little quote, the number four tip is realizing that not everything 
is solely your responsibility. And what I mean by that is any interaction takes at least two people to tango. At least two people need to meet in the middle. You know, you can be the cool person that you are. You can make all of the conversation. You can crack a funny joke. But if that person isn't picking up what you're putting down, then the interaction is not going to be good. And that's not your responsibility all the time. Like there are two people in this interaction. So stop thinking everything is my fault and I need to make everything good. Give people also space to engage with you. Give people space to initiate conversation with you. And if they don't, that is not on you. Cut the cord and stop taking responsibility for that. The last little tip for us today in today's podcast episode, and these are all kind of surface level tips as well. You'll get so much by being able to action these in your life. But if you want to get really deep in this, I definitely recommend joining the Find Your People Masterclass because we go even deeper in understanding the attachment theory. So um, yeah, click the link in my bio. But the last one is stopping yourself from jumping to worst conclusions at the drop of a hat. And I know we do this in so many situations of our lives not just in our relationships, but maybe at work or um, other situations like that too, or maybe with our food, our bodies, our health, like just thinking, oh my God, this is going to go horribly, or I'm going to get even sicker, or I'm going to get more injured, or everyone hates me, or, you know, my boss hates me, I'm going to get fired. Like we just think all of these really negative things really quickly, but specifically with our relationships and in relation to an anxious attachment style, when that gets activated, we can go very much into thinking, well, if this person has taken an hour longer to respond to me, then they hate me, then I'm not going to see them, then I'm never going to know what happens to them and it's all my fault, right? Which is so not actually true, but it can be so easy to convince yourself and to spiral and think, yep, it's all me, it's all my fault, I'm the bad person, I should change, they haven't done anything wrong. And we put people on a pedestal too, right? Where we think we need to impress them and we need to make sure that they're having a good time, which kind of goes more into the point before this of point like tip number four. But tip number five is really about grounding yourself into the facts. What is actually real at the moment? What can you actually prove in this moment? And for example, like, you know, especially when you're dating someone new, which can be very triggering when you haven't done much work on your attachment style or you don't really feel very confident and secure within yourself, which is a huge part of the work of what I do with my clients as well. Um, If someone takes a long time to respond, we can very quickly think, well, they don't like me. There's something wrong with me. I'm a bad person. And then what inevitably happens they inevitably reply. And if they don't and they ghosted you, then they're a dickhead. But even if they do ghost you, we still, as an anxious attached person who is not resolving their attachment style, we can so quickly think, well, it's my fault and I'm a bad person and I brought this on myself and I deserve this. Like, honey, no, that is not the case at all. So just notice when you start to go into these scenarios in your head and project to the future and assume things about any situation, ask yourself and get in the habit of constantly asking yourself, is this a hundred percent true? Like, can I actually prove this fact? Is it true that this person hates me? Is it true that it is all my fault? Is it true that I should have done something differently? Or can I look for ways to actually neutralize this situation of like, okay, maybe there was some sort of miscommunication between the two of us, or maybe this person is in a meeting and they're going to 
going to respond back to me later and you know whatever it might be like just focusing on what the actual facts are in the moment and really grounding yourself and really bringing yourself back to the present moment of like what can I see right now like I look in front of me it's like okay I'm sitting at my desk I've got my Ugg boots on it's the afternoon it's sun setting like just bringing yourself into this moment and what you can control and if you know you're worried about someone not getting back to you instead of allowing your mind to run free with that idea and get really like kind of spun out what you want to do is take care of yourself what need is being ignored in that moment and how can you meet it in yourself and this is a really great time when we can practice validating ourselves of like not waiting until that person responds to your text message to take care of yourself instead going to do those things now like read a bit take a bath go for a walk call a friend watch a funny video like actually use the time in a way that makes you feel good so you're not sitting there stewing over it and getting really upset and really worked up by it Okay, if you enjoyed this episode, please come and join me for my masterclass. It starts tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, but it is going to be recorded. Once you purchase it, you can, well, purchase, invest in yourself. You will get lifetime access anyway, so you can catch the replay and watch it as many times as you want. It's truly a no-brainer. Like, why wouldn't you? This is the most abundant price I've ever offered for any of my courses. So, I'm really, really excited. And if you're loving this content, please support me by leaving a five-star review, um, sharing it with your friends, taking a screenshot, sharing it onto your Instagram stories, tagging me. I absolutely love seeing that and enjoy the rest of your day. Bye.